Hello guys and welcome to Loop Before You Leap, Season 2, Episode 11, regular showing. So that means we're talking about all the latest news and announcements from the gaming world. And Bruce is going to tell you exactly what the news and announcements for today are. So today we're going to look into Microsoft's are in talks about buying Discord. We're going to be talking about some PlayStation stores that are closing. We've got a Ghost of Shishima movie in the works, a new Call of Duty World War II Vanguard rumoured, new Life is Strange confirmed. So many topics, so little time. So before we get started, let's hear Bruce's bite-sized bits. So today in Bruce's bite-sized bits, Pokemon Go developer Niantic are making a Pikman VR game for Nintendo. Terraria has sold 35 million copies across all platforms and takes the number one spot on Steam's top 250. Amazon Game recruits four ex-Rainbow Siege developers for a new studio. Doom Eternal wraps up the best PC shooters with, and I quote, a stale fantasy fart. And finally, Dyson's new laser-equipped vacuum tallies dust kills. Dyson said it would just be like playing a video game. What are they thinking? You know what? The last one sounds good. Gamification of everything. If there's a vacuum cleaner that racks up kills and puts me on a leaderboard, I'm more likely to use it. But that's the bright size... Wow. Bite-sized bits out of the way. The alliteration is driving me crazy. So let's get right into the first topic of the day, which is... Bruce, remind us, what's the first topic? Well, Microsoft are now in talks to buy Discord. Yes, because Microsoft needs to own every piece of technology on the planet. So recently, you guys might know that they acquired Bethesda. Well, actually, no. They acquired uh, Zenimax, who is the parent company for Bethesda. So, you know, they kind of got Bethesda anyway. Um, but they picked up a bunch of studios and they paid something like $7.5 billion to get it. And that might sound like a lot of money. But how much are they looking at buying Discord for, Bruce? So they're looking at buying Discord for $10 billion. Because... Apparently, Discord is worth $2.5 billion more than one of the oldest and most successful gaming organizations in the world, right? And you've got to think, they obviously see some kind of potential in making a lot of money through Discord, and I can't see how they do it. You know, you've got the Nitro stuff, but we're talking about ad revenue or something, a subscription to use Discord. How are they going to make money back? Like, how much did they buy Minecraft for? That was a good couple of billion, wasn't it? I think it was only millions. I think it was in billions. I think it was like two billion or something like that. But they obviously see, like, do you think Discord is worth ten billion dollars, Bruce? Well, I mean, I've used their 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 talk sharing app in one of my old jobs called Microsoft Teams, and that was a uh, that was a trailer trash fire. So maybe they just want something that actually works for once. That's a very good point. Yeah, potentially, because if there's one thing Discord is all about, it's stability, right? I think every gamer, particularly PC gamers, every gamer on earth has heard of Discord. And if they can bring it out to a wider market and make it more commercial and corporate, then, you know, they could do like Discord, what, what word would you put with it if it was going to be more, Discord professional or something, where it has less gamey features and more features for the office, you know, maybe then, yeah, they could add it as part of their Microsoft, you know, their 365 suite and Discord could be part of that and they could incorporate it into that offering. I could see that working, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't really understand. Why are Microsoft all of a sudden going for, like, so many different things? Are they trying to, like... Because obviously, Xbox, you know, Microsoft Xbox, great. Are they just trying to build up their gaming sector, maybe? Potentially. I mean, it's lucrative, right? You know? I mean, look at the last year with everything going on. What's happened to the gaming world? It's gone absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah, I guess really, to be fair, they probably are just picking them up before anyone else does because I think Discord is, 
it's a self-contained entity, isn't it? Nobody owns Discord. So really, you could say that with Microsoft behind it, Discord would probably get better, right? Because who has the best technological foundations and infrastructure in the world? It must be Microsoft, right? So surely Discord will get so much better as a result of this. I mean, I don't... Do you ever really have issues with Discord? I don't think I ever really have any issues with Discord. No, I don't, I, we've never really had any issues. Obviously, there's maintenance issues, but that you know they're done in a couple of hours when they've finished their upgrades but i've never had an issue where it's broken and there's no reason for it breaking yeah i don't know we'll have to wait and see what happens because at the moment this is obviously just like talks you know there's no there's no money on the table yet and, and it could you know be an absolute it could go absolutely nowhere so we'll see what happens but i think in the long run nothing really is going to change too much but the next topic bruce is a big change to the gaming world what's what's up next what's up next well it's a sad day for playstation as playstation 3 playstation psp or playstation portable and the playstation portable vita the stores are all closing this summer it's a very very sad time because it means it's another step away from the previous generations that gave us so many years of fun the playstation stores except for the playstation 4 and the playstation 5 all closing down if you have a ps3 still uh, and it's your platform of choice and you play only digitally you will no longer be able to buy any more games through that playstation store same as psp and ps vita i think out of all of those the one i'm hit by the most is probably the vita because it's the kind of thing where it didn't have that many games anyway i think most of the games that i had for it were digitally i had very few on chip um and not having the the ability to buy them anymore digitally is going to be an absolute killer because they're not that common. They're not that easy to come by. And, you know, PlayStation 3, you can go on eBay and pick up PlayStation 3 games for pennies, you know. But the PlayStation Vita, different thing entirely. They shut down the store for that. It's not, you know, it's laying its arrest now at this point, really, isn't it, Bruce? Yeah, I mean... It if there's no per if there's no store for it, like you say, the games there weren't many games on it. To be fair, compared to other handheld consoles, um, you only really find them in places in the UK, for example, like in CEX. And even then, yeah, the, you know, the most I've seen in one store is like maybe twenty games, and nine nine of them are probably the same, like Big World Three or Little Big Planet, you know. Yeah, or like FIFA two thousand and fourteen or something like that. Yeah, so I mean, if you take away this store from it it is basically putting it in that coffin and putting it in the ground it is because it i mean it died a death a long time ago that i think they stopped producing it officially a couple of years ago or something like that and it's a shame because i mean we've had a handheld episode before and i you know profess my love for the vita i had it had uh, two vitas throughout my sort of my handheld spree and i always say how i'd love to go back to it but if the stores are closing i don't really see the point now um you know because like we're saying you can't really get the chips you know too common and a lot of the games weren't on the chips so i played a lot of retro stuff on the ps vita and that was exclusively through the store you can't get them on chips so again is it going to affect the, the the ps now stuff the psn you know ps plus i had a bunch of ps plus games are they gone now as well because if there's no store how do i get them so ps vita i mean rip you know Maybe they've got something else on the horizon for another handheld PlayStation Rest in console. pepperoni, PlayStation. Rest in, rest, in, rest, rest in PlayStation. But that's all she wrote for that one. We'll move on before we start crying a horrible flood of tears. Bruce, what's the next topic? It's a good one. Well, the next topic. Now, I haven't played this game yet, but I so want to play this game. I just need to go out and buy it when everything opens back up. Ghost of Shishima. There is a movie now in the works. You know what? I don't really think there has been a game and a movie that have come out. Well, 
Oh, let me think how I'm going to word this. So the game only came out the tail end of last year and there's already a movie in the works for it. I've never seen that transition happen so quickly. And it's because Ghost of Tsushima, right? It was an incredible game. I didn't finish it because it was so long. I just couldn't, I, I couldn't find the time. But it's such an incredible game because it already kind of plays like a movie. It, it has so many inspirations from old Japanese like film directors and stuff like the colours and the, the cuts and the angles. And it already was a very cinematic game. So I could see a transition into a movie coming very, very easily. And it, and it reads like a movie as well. You know, um, it's true history. The people obviously, are, you know, a bit sort of uh, a bit fantasized and fictional and whatever but it's a true story what actually happened the island of Tsushima gets taken over by the Mongols and then um this one guy you know uh Jin Sakai he is like the last defender of the island and he fights to reclaim it and you know uh, and in doing so he basically betrays the um the way that he's built himself up all these years you know as an honorable samurai he now becomes a ghost, you know, killing in cold blood and all these tactics that the samurai really don't like to live by. And it's a very cool film. The idea of that as a film is a very, very cool idea. But it's not just anyone that's making it, is it, Bruce? It's not just some random guy. It's not some unknown, unknown director, is it? Well, it's not because it's made by Chad, and I'm going to murder his last name, Tahasetsky, who was the director of John Wick. And as we all know, John Wick has some incredible, incredible combat scenes. So we can expect some good things, I imagine. It's, I mean, you know, like the Microsoft thing, it's early days. It's, you know, it's like, I mean, how many in recent years, how many times have we heard, oh, X game is getting a movie, you know, like there was supposed to be a Mass Effect movie years ago. There was supposed to be a Division TV show. There was supposed to be another Assassin's Creed movie coming out. There was supposed to be another Tomb Raider film coming out with uh, Alicia Vikander. And they just don't really happen, do they? What about The Last of Us? You know, there is a Last of Us TV show coming, but... Apart from a bit of a cast, we don't really have too much information about it. So, yeah, these, these things they say they're going to do them, and they never really do. No, I mean that's the issue. We we hear so much about it. like there was also meant to be the Fallout one as well, and there's just been no news of it. But is the reason that there's been no because a lot of this was all last year? Is what's going on currently the reason we haven't heard a lot about it? Could it be once everything's over, it will be like here's this, here's that, here's that on it, and here's that on it? Will just be a massive flood of video game related shows. Potentially, yeah, because like we said just on the first topic there that it's all blowing up, isn't it? You know, gaming's becoming, every day it gets bigger and better. So, you know, as soon as you release a video game based film, you've already got an audience there ready and waiting to go. Like if they, when they release this, um, this Last of Us television show, it's gonna have millions of viewers in the first ever episode, which you don't really get with, you know, oh, here's a new Netflix show and no one really knows what it's about. But if you say, oh, we got a Last of Us show coming out, that's already a player base there of like tens of millions of people. They're going to watch that. And it'll probably be the same thing with the Ghost of Tsushima movie because it was so popular. People are hurting for it. They'll go, oh, yeah, we're watching that day one. Like, it's already a box office hit just because of the amount of people that go and watch it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, Let's wait for everything to cool down a little bit in this world, and then we'll see what comes out. I mean, I'm quite looking forward to some of the shows that have been announced. So, you know, things like when The Witcher came out, that's done really well. That's meant to be having a second season. Maybe we'll get that. We'll get the Fallout one. I want. I really am looking forward to the Fallout show. That's what I really want. Yeah, because you know what? Like, if I think about it, what 
the amount of times I go on Netflix or Amazon Video or, or whatever and, you know, type in Apocalypse <laughs> because I love those kind of films. And they're usually um, uh, like natural, apocalypse, like 2012 or um, what was that other one? I can't there's There's loads of them out there. You can't recall them when you're trying to think of them. But it's like natural disasters and stuff. You don't, there's nothing like post-apocalyptic. The closest thing you could probably get to a Fallout movie is The Road. Have you ever seen The Road? Viggo Mortensen, Cody Smith-McPhee. Um, it's it's basically a film based on a book which is set after the end of some nuclear annihilation of the world. And it's a very, very dark, morbid story. It's, it's very, very emotional. Um, and it's just a story of one man and his son. Uh, they're on the road you know, hence the title, and they're just trying to survive in a world that is absolutely devastated, and it's got things like there's raiders in there, and, you know, at one in one scene, they find uh, an old shelter, and it's stocked to the brim with food, and there's, you know, uh, not trusting people, and this guy, he basically walks around the whole film, and he has, like, a gun with, like, one bullet in it, and it's, it's, a, it's very important, you know, the focus on that one bullet, and very, very good film, incredible film, but probably the closest thing you'll ever see to a Fallout movie because there's really, you've got lots of zombie stuff, lots of natural disasters, but there isn't much in the way of post-nuclear apocalypse films. So I think Fallout would really fill a gap there. I could really see it filling a gap. Yeah, absolutely. But that's all she wrote for the Ghost of Tsushima movie. We just hope we get some more information on it soon. And we're going to move on to the next topic. Grant, what's the next topic? What's the next topic? It's another rumor. So this is our third rumor of the episode, um, but it's a very, very uh, believable one, we'll say, because it's a leak. It's a rumor. It's a, you know, it's a maybe, maybe, but it's come from one of the most reputable sources in the business for this series. And it is that there is a new Call of Duty coming this year. Obviously, we knew that, but we didn't know what it was. So we're looking at working title, Call of Duty World War II Vanguard. So this comes from uh, Modern Warzone, who have something like, I don't know, three, 400,000 followers on Twitter. Very reputable source. Everything they've said before has come to be true. So we'll put some faith in this one. Very reputable. So what we're looking at here is Call of Duty changing the course of history, kind of for the first time ever. Obviously, Call of Duty is World War II at its core, at its very foundation. You know, some 20, 22 years ago, this is where it all began. Uh, and Call of Duty World War II, which came out in 2017, was a very popular one. I didn't really enjoy it that much because it was at a time where I didn't like Call of Duty at all. So I kind of gave it a go because I like World War II, but I didn't really expect much from it. I played the story. The multiplayer was a bit meh. But um, it was, importantly, it was one of the best and most balanced games for Call of Duty esports. That's why people are somewhat excited about this. So it's Sledgehammer Games who... They, always, they did the first World War II, they did Advanced Warfare, and they were involved with Modern Warfare 3, Modern Warfare 2019, and Cold War. So they've got some, you know, they've they've cut their teeth in Call of Duty and they know what they're doing. But it's all history. As I said, they're changing the course of history. So it's not just World War II. It's not just simple 1939 to 1945 Allies versus Axis forces. We're not looking at that. We're looking beyond it. In this story, World War II never ended and it's persisted on into the 1950s. So completely fictional environment. And this gives Activision and Sledgehammer a creative license. They can do whatever they want. They can invent weapons. They can um, you know, create battles that never existed and, and vehicles and, and anything they want because it's all fictional. 
which could be good, right? I mean, I'm thinking maybe like a Wolfenstein-esque kind of title where, you know, they move into the 1950s and Germany becomes a super, a real superpower, technologically advanced and, and whatever. So the only reason I'm a bit worried about Sledgehammer is because they did do Advanced Warfare and Advanced Warfare was not boots on the ground. That was, you know, jetpack exoskeleton combat and I hated it completely. So could we see a fusion of World War II and Advanced Warfare where maybe they have like jetpacks but MP40s? I don't know. Bruce, I know your uh, your history with Call of Duty is a little bit shaky. Like me, you kind of had a massive gap away from it. But how do you think this reads? Do you think it sounds good on paper? Uh, well, I mean, let's start with what, what I know and what I like. So we had the reboot of Modern Warfare. And I absolutely, that's what got me back. The story for that brought me back to the world of Cold. We then have Cold War. And I just finished my first playthrough of Cold War and absolutely loved it. I would have believed, though, the next game would have been the next Modern Warfare. I would have kind of hoped that we'd then see Captain Price create the team that we all know and love. Um, but I'm a massive fan of World War II games. I love the whole history about it. However, an alt history, again, gives them a lot of license, like you said, but they need to make sure they don't go too ridiculous on it. So you say about Advanced Warfare, jetpacks are a bit too much, but... There's nothing to say they, you know, like from Wolfenstein, they don't have giant stilt boots, you know. It, it's quite hard to go into history and change it, but still make it history, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, so, like, the, the, I think the kind of schedule they're trying to follow now is... So, starting with 2019, Modern Warfare, and then the next one would be a Treyarch one, so Black Ops Cold War, and then the next one would be a Sledgehammer one, or, you know, an sort of unrelated kind of kind of game um so then the next modern warfare should be 2022 yeah that's when that should be which makes sense because they want to spread them out you know um and this could be the start potentially of another of another sub franchise because we've had world war ii um and then if we have world war ii vanguard you can kind of think okay so they're going to go on with this and they're going to push it on and we're going to have this entirely fictional story that leads on throughout you know and they could do what they've done with Black Ops and Modern Warfare, where they align them. Like, if we have three different franchises, all aligned, all linking up in some way, shape, or form, it would get a bit crazy, because you'd have to buy all of them to understand what the hell is going on. But I could see them doing it, because then people are invested, you know. Ultimately, like, I'll play... I'll get it, I'll play it, because now I kind of feel like I have to, because, you know, this, you know, I've got back into Call of Duty in earnest, like, with bells on, you know, I'm really, really, I'm deep in it now. Um, despite my age, I'm trying to get into competitive Call of Duty again, so, um, if Could you Vanguard... say that as if you're, like, 70 years old? Oh, back in Madden, so, like, I don't know what that was. Um, so, like, people are saying that, okay, let me just, let me just lay it out real quick. So, Right now, the landscape is that every new Call of Duty that comes out, that is the new platform for Call of Duty Esports. Modern Warfare comes out, that's the platform. Cold War comes out, that's the platform. But people are kind of suggesting that the next one, Vanguard, if that's what it is, won't be the platform and that the competitors and whatever, the Call of Duty League, they should stay on one game for more than a year um, just to keep it so a bit more balanced because every year everyone's got to learn a whole new game, a whole new engine a whole you know new maps and everything and it's kind of like it keeps changing every year so they're saying that they should stay there for now so world war ii vanguard might not be the next platform for esports like we don't know 
It could be, but it might not be. So that's kind of making me think, hmm, do I really need to get this on day one and play it? I mean, I didn't do it with Black Ops. I didn't do it with... Well, I did do it in Modern Warfare. That's a lie. But I don't know. Do you think you're going to... Are you going to dabble, Bruce? Are you going to get involved in this? Because, you know, you know, our, I mean, our relationship with Call of Duty has been a bit on and off as is. Do you think you're going to get this day one? If it turns out to be what it says it's going to be. Probably not day one. I, I'll be honest with everyone. I barely write, barely write, barely buy any games on day one. Um, I mean, I'll dabble in it, especially if there's a story mode to it. I, I'm a sucker for a story mode. Love a story mode. Um, but what you were saying about esports, I don't actually think that's the right way to go about it. I think every time there's a new game, that should be the platform. Because it does then make the playing field more level, because everyone's got to learn it. If you stay yeah. on one game for too long, one team will all of a sudden get much better than the rest. I think changing it every time, I think that's probably the way forward. Maybe, yeah. Maybe you're right. I suppose. But anyway, that's enough on Call of Duty, because it doesn't deserve that big of a space in our show. But we have got one last topic to go over before we wrap up today. And it's one that's very, very important to me. And I'm very happy to hear about it. Bruce, what is the last piece of news today? So the last piece of news is there has been a new Life is Strange confirmed called True Colors. And I'm so excited because when Life is Strange first came into my life in uh, in 2015, it, it brought with it a wave of emotions and, and enjoyment. And it was great. And it was a fantastic game. And it was like nothing I'd ever played before. I'd never played an episodic game before that. So I was, you know, it was a bit weird. And it was kind of teenage drama, a bit weird. And it wasn't really all that um, immersive. You know, it was more of a walking point and click kind of game. But regardless of that, it did extremely well. Um, had a second title came out, again, just as good. Just as, you know, you connect to the characters, you become invested in the story. Your choices influence the story unimaginably. And you can have a different ending depending on exactly how you play the game. Great game. Love it. Fantastic. And now we've got another one. So, differences. This is not made by Don't Nod. Don't Nod, the people who developed um, Life is Strange and Life is Strange 2. Uh, this is developed by a company called Deck9, who made Life is Strange Before the Storm, which was a sequel that was made at a very weird time when the industry was shaken up and voice actors were, like, striking. Uh, and it was a very, very weird time. But they still managed to produce a good game, even if it was a short one, because it was only a prequel. So this is a full release. This isn't a prequel. This isn't like a little window into another universe. This is a very, sh a very a complete game. It's it's going to be, if it's the same as the last ones, it'll be five episodes spread out across the course of like a year or something like that. Um, and instead of controlling time or telekinesis like we had in the first two, this is Alex Chen. Her brother is killed in a very, uh, you know, mysterious accident. And the trauma, which... You know, this game is basically based around almost anyone having psychic abilities, but they have to go through a really, really powerful trauma to be able to, you know, to have them sort of kick off. Kind of like X-Men. So, so, so her psychic power is empathy. She can see people's emotions through like auras and such. She can influence and manipulate their emotions, but she can also take on their emotions. So I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but it sounds interesting. You know, um, they, they have complete creative license to just invent powers at this point and do whatever they want. And every game has been completely different because of it. So it'll be really good. Good story. Very emotional. They're usually very well acted. Um, the art styles are fantastic. So I'm very much looking forward to this. I could not tell you what the date is. I don't know what the date is. I should really have come in here with the date. But rest assured, when it does come out, I'll be there day one and I'll have it for sure. Because usually they're only like, I don't know, £10 an episode and it's not so bad at all. Or you can buy like the season pass and get them all, you know, pre-bought for like 50 So I will get invested in that and 
and we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll talk about it because I will not let this go without discussing every aspect of it's going to be incredible. Just open and shut. That's all she wrote. But that is all we have time for today. And it's so all, that is all she wrote. That is all she wrote. Yeah, that's literally complete. I think we've said that like five times this episode. That's all she wrote. So all that's left now is for Bruce to tell you guys what we're talking about in the next episode in two weeks time. So our next episode is going to be the bad game specials. And we're going to discuss the worst games we've ever played. Um, we're going to look at some of the games with the worst reviews ever. So, again, it will all be uh, our opinions. So, come and join us, but don't don't get angry. All right, just chill. Yeah, because yeah, if there's a game that you guys like that we really didn't, we're going to talk smack about it. And it actually comes with very good timing, because when I was streaming and making videos last year, I made like a conscious effort to go out and play the worst games ever and like review them. So, I'm well equipped for this episode, but there's also going to be a lot of mainstream stuff. We're going to probably mention games like Cyberpunk and Assassin's Creed Unity. So stay around, uh, st check it out in two weeks time. But that's it. Thank you guys, as always, for spending your time with us today. And we'll catch you in the next one. Cheerio. Later. Thank you.